Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the Line of Scrimmage podcast presented by Tomahawk Nation. Over the next 15 to 20 minutes, we'll line it up with a member of the media from FSU's next opponent. My name is Tim Allenball. And after securing win number eight against Louisiana, Florida State is ready to play their regular season finale against their in-state rivals, the Florida Gators. And to help fans prepare for this matchup, we have a very special guest. We have Mr. Richard Johnson with the SEC Network, Sports Illustrated, and the podcast Split Zone Duo. Richard, how are you doing, buddy? I'm tired. I'm <laughs> very tired. <laughs> oh man, it's uh, buddy, silly season in earnest. Truly, the silly season in earnest. It's uh, I'll I don't know. I'll sleep around Christmas. Exactly. Let me ask you this: Are you more tired than um, South Carolina staffers trying to find fireworks? <laughs> <laughs> I might be. I we had um we had Shane Beamer on the TV show on Monday, and we joked with him. We were like, Shane, buddy. You got to kick in some of that, some of that salary money for the uh, for the fireworks budget, man. Can't be can't be running out of can't be running out of fireworks. And then he said he was like, "Oh well, I guess they've seen us play offense, so they knew how much <laughs> they really needed." So that was funny. Got a got a lot of a coach that uh, that is self aware. That's awesome. Well, let's uh, let's jump right into Florida's season. Uh, sitting at six and five, it's been an up and down season for Florida uh, fans. Would tell you it's been more down than up. Uh, at head coach is one of my favorite things about Billy, Billy Napier. He's a former Florida State assistant coach for like less than 30 days. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, but where do you think Napier has really made the most impact in his first year at Florida? And, and where do you think he's maybe misstepped or struggled? Um, I think it, and people don't, aren't going to want to hear this because it's frustrating. Um, but the stuff off the field, that is the stuff that had to be uh, fixed and that resulted in staffing up. I mean, he hired over 50 people um, and he made no bones about sort of putting that on front street. 
um, th that stuff takes time to see the benefits of. And especially Florida fans, a program like Florida, just like if Florida State was in the same spot, like they would not want to hear that. They want to hear wins now, especially after the few years that Florida has had. I mean, you know, and I get it. I mean, besides 2020, um, when, you know, 2020 was weird for a whole host of reasons, <laughs> you know, Florida, Florida hasn't sniffed where it's really supposed to be, you know, in quite a while. I mean, you could you could say it's been a decade since 2012 when they were legitimately in some way, shape, or form, a national championship contender. Um, and that, you know, doesn't sit well in Gainesville. Wouldn't sit well in Tallahassee. Hasn't sat well in Tallahassee. <laughs> no. um, and and so, yeah, a lot of the off-field stuff is where Billy had to get to work at first. Um, and that has a longer tail of seeing the results of. That is a process. Uh, uh, those, are, those are process moves. Those are process changes and process functionalities that needed to be altered um and you know hopefully you start to see the results in a few years here but they just lost to Vanderbilt and you know that you're you're the University of Florida and Vanderbilt may be on the up and Vanderbilt may be on the rise but if you're a, a Florida fan and and you're telling me Florida's not supposed to lose to Vanderbilt yeah I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Florida State's not supposed to lose to Wake Forest. And then in 2006, they lost to Wake Forest. Like, it, you know, it's it's just there are, there are truisms in college football, unfortunately. But, hey, that's why we play the games, if you're a yeah. Vanderbilt or Wake Forest. <laughs> I mean, Florida State's not supposed to lose to Jacksonville State, you know, either. Uh, right. But like you said, it's it's a process. And that, that really reminds me of uh, Norvell a little bit at Florida State, where he came in and – the work had to go in off field before it really started showing on field. And, and here we are, what, three years later, and we're finally reaping those benefits. Um, right. Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, what did Mike have to fix first and foremost, obviously quarterback situation, but the offensive line and like the, that is not, and they were pre portal like that pre, you know, pre portal yeah. as it is now, like as those are not instant fixes, but we want them to be instant fixes. Um, you know, as, as fans. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about Florida's offense. Um, you know, they're averaging over 400 yards at running back. You have Johnson and ETN, and they're a very strong one-two punch and really get this offense going. But in my opinion, and, and I'm sure a lot of people see this and maybe you see it differently, I, I think this is really the Anthony Richardson offense. You know, as he goes, the offense goes. Uh, but, but like their record, Richardson's been inconsistent. Um, what, what does the offense really shine at or really stand out when you have the potential first round draft pick version of AR 15 going uh, full steam at Florida? Yeah, look, he's up and down and that's, he's just an up and down player right now. Um, coming into the season, he had 39 completions in his career. He obviously has the physical tools from a physical skill set. You pretty much can't draw up, uh, can't draw a quarterback up in a lab that looks better than he does. That's fine. Um, but yes, the up and down on-field production has been there. Um, you know, I think some of it has to do with mechanics and I'm not saying he, you know, he, he's got to do, make a wholesale mechanics change. Um, but there are a couple of things mechanically that I, I think cause some balls to sail, some balls to dirt, some, you know, some of the inconsistency that you may see with the ball out of his hands that he's got to improve on, um, and likely will over the, the course of the off season, um, if he stays at Florida. I, you know, I don't know that he's going to the draft. I don't, I, that's not an inside info thing. Um, I, but, you know, he, if he goes to the draft advisory board and they give him back a first or second round grade, 
what's what's he supposed to do? Like, you know, you know, NIL money's good, but it ain't it ain't first round pick good. No. Um, so, you know, it, we'll see what happens here um, when, when the season closes. Um, but I also think that like it, one of the things that people don't talk a lot about is that Florida's receivers, in my opinion, are not up to not up to code. Like the Florida at a, as a receiving core has got to get better. Um, and that is going to help Anthony Richardson, I think, if he is to stay at Florida in the long run. Um, and, and I think that is one of like, you know, you're running a lot of routes, especially with what they do, a lot of crossing routes, a lot of intermediate routes. Those are from a quarterback's perspective, uh, uh, routes that take timing, um, routes that, hey, you know, you got to be on time across the middle with a lot of some of these crossing routes that they run. And then also, especially when he's, you know, moving as far as like a bootleg and, and whatever, you know, those are things that uh, mechanics, footwork and, and body position have to be sound when you're throwing on the move and throwing off platform. Um, but, you know, when you're running some of those intermediate routes and all that kind of stuff on like man coverage, for instance, you got to have guys that get separation. And, you know, I think Florida, Florida's receivers struggle to get separation. Um, and so, yes, some of it's on Anthony Richardson, of course, he's a quarterback. But I, I think on the receiver core end of it, they need better guys. Uh, better pass catchers in the future. Uh, wide receiver, probably the weakest unit on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I know going into this game, there's a lot of injuries there. Uh, Ricky Ricky Pearsall may be out as well. And he's uh, their – Ricky Pearsall is their best receiver. Right. And so I think it's just going to be maybe shorter and whoever else is out there, which uh, which could really be bad. But it's funny hearing you say separation from wide receivers. I feel like we're talking about Florida State again two to three years ago. So uh, <laughs> we're, we're seeing a lot of that. Um, again, talking about, and again, this is my opinion from somebody that watches Florida casually. I, I think the offense is really most effective when Richardson's not afraid to use his legs. Um, I think the Vanderbilt game would be a win if he would have not been as hesitant in the pocket, you know, there were times where he had the, the lanes, he had the times that he'd rather try to throw it. And he did throw for over 400 yards in that game, but I think he left a lot of yards on the field running. It, it's kind of cliche with a dual threat quarterback, but it does feel like he's a little hesitant to run this year. Is this a coaching choice? Is this his choice? Is it just what the defense has dictated? Um, is it, you know, is it just, I'm a, I'm a quarterback that wants to improve my passing. What's going on when it comes to his running game? To be honest with you, I don't know. I don't know if he's being told, you know, stick in the pocket or they want to develop that, or I don't know if he's hurt. I don't, you know, I, I don't know. I'm literally got, there's no inside information here. I, you know, I, you know, they said he wasn't hurt during the Georgia game apparently, but I'm also like, come on. Like he took an absolute shot on like the first drive of that game going out of bounds, you know? So who knows? Um, I, I think there's a lot of play there. Um, and, and I think that's one thing where, you know, we may get to the off season and here, you know, he was hurt or was playing hurt or whatever. And that kind of hampered him, but yes. Yeah. When, when he's not able to run, um, it, it hampers him. He's, he is not as complete of a player as when he can use that very, very outstanding, uh, skill set that he has there running the ball. I, I think he's one of those, and I, I met you probably know this better than I do. He's one of those guys where he has a couple good runs and it, it almost like, it gives him that confidence to complete some of the passes that he struggles with. Uh, I think it was a couple of years ago when Jameis was at well, several years now ago at, at Florida state. Sometimes 
uh, it seemed like Jimbo would just run him so he would take a hit. And all of a sudden it was like <laughs> yeah, he would snap. Yeah, yeah. get into it. I, I think a lot of times I feel like I see that with Richardson. Uh, he gets that confidence. He gets a big run. He's able to maybe even lay a hit on somebody when he's going out of bounds or something like that. And it really kind of invigorates him. So um, personally, I kind of feel like Florida is going to run him into the ground against Florida State because uh, I, I, I just feel like Florida State at times is susceptible there. So really be curious what happens on Friday. Um, going over to the defensive side of the ball, uh, this has been the weak spot for Florida uh, by far, uh, giving up over 400 yards of offense. Um, it's a unit that is really down some key pieces going into this week. Last week, we saw them struggle to get off the field against Vanderbilt uh, at times, just letting Vanderbilt run, run after run, after run, after run. Um, let's just be, let's be honest. What's going on with this defense? What's the problem where this is usually uh, a highlight for Florida? Can't get off the field on third down. Can't get off the field on third down. I mean, like, to be honest with you, they're, you know, I've, I've looked at a couple, you know, their, their, um, a couple of their advanced metrics. Um, you know, I have some, some access to some of that stuff. Like, they're actually not that bad on first and second down. Um, they're like, they're not terrible on first and second down, but, you know, and I don't, they're just not good on third down. Like it's, they have got to get better um, on third down and there's no, you know, there's no if, ands or buts about it. If you can't get off the field, if you can't get off the field, you can't win. Um, I think some of that goes to pass rush. Um, you know, I, they weren't getting a ton with Brenton Cox. Now, obviously Brenton Cox is not on the team. Um, Gervin Dexter is a good player on the inside. Um, I, I think, I think Desmond Watson is, is good against the run um, for what he is, but he's got to develop probably some better footwork. Um, I think he probably is going to have to lose a little bit more weight um, because he needs to be a little bit more laterally quick. Um, you know, if you watch Tennessee game, for instance, you know, he got got just because, you know, he's not really in there to like chase Hendon Hooker down. You know what I mean? Like that's not mm -hmm. really his game and that's fine. Um, as he, as he develops as a player, we'll see how that goes, but you know, as a big space eater at a nose tackle, I think I understand why he's on there to try to, at least help them defend the run, um, you know, but yes, they're, they're not good enough on third down right now on defense and it really hurts them. Um, I, when you look at that defense, like one to 11, you sort of, one of the, one of the most interesting games that I kind of play is like how many players on, you know, whatever unit of the ball would start on one of the better teams in the SEC. And I'm not talking about Georgia. We're not talking about, you know, they're a bunch of superheroes. That's a different story. But like, if you had a top, you know, two or three defense in the SEC, how many players on this team would start on? Ventro Miller, Gervin Dexter, and then you're, you know, maybe one or two more, but then you go down there and there's not a ton more. And so, yes, you're dealing with players that need to get better. And that's a recruiting thing. Um, and, and that's something that we're going to see how they get better uh, over the course of the next two years. Uh, love Gervin Dexter. Uh, he was so sold to Florida in the recruiting game. I, I wish Florida State had some kind of end, but I knew they didn't. But uh, <laughs> that's a kid I really wish Florida State had. Uh, last question on defense, just kind of high level. Where would you kind of one, two, three rank the, the different levels? You know, the, the line, the linebackers, the secondary from kind of best to worst for, for Florida? Um, I, I think the line is, I think the line is fine. Like they're fine there. Um, I, I think I would probably go 
in order, second level, first level, third level, as sort of, you know, the, the best mm-hmm. orders, if I had to kind of, kind of guess it. So secondary has really been what you feel as the weak spot. Yeah. And, but then part of it, you go back to like how much of it is because they're not generating a ton of pressure. Mm-hmm. How, like, you know, if, if they're, if you're not generating a ton of pressure, you're not, you don't have a high sack rate. How does that play into the fact that, you know, secondary may be just left out there. Yeah, um, can't cover forever. <laughs> right. You can't cover forever. Um, and so there's a little bit, it's, it's a little bit of chicken and egg there in general when you're kind of breaking that down. Okay. Uh, finally, what's your confidence level going into Friday's game? I, I'm a pessimistic Florida state fan. Uh, I've, I've lived through all misfield goals and chokes and everything else. So uh, I always get uneasy in rivalry games. How are you feeling uh, going into Friday night, Friday's game? What um what what's that? What is the spread? Ten at this point, then? Was it nine? I think it's nine. Okay, yeah. Like you know, I don't think. I think you're going to see they lost to Vanderbilt and say, "Oh well, you know, terrible, can't lose to Vanderbilt." But so much of that stuff was like, proceed like they muffed a punt in the end zone. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like they like, and and I'm not. I don't want to take credit away from Vanderbilt. Like Vanderbilt won the game. Um, but like, if you play that game again, I don't think Florida's losing that game because right. I'm not sure they make the same amount of procedural mistakes. Like does an interception get magically like caught the way it was to set the team up in the red, to set Vanderbilt up in the red zone, like all that kind of thing. So I do think Florida's going to cover. I do think it's going to be a pretty close game. I think Florida state is better. I do. Um, I think Florida state is better. I think Florida state will win, um, just because of what Florida state has up front, particularly on offense. Um, and the firepower that it has on offense. I'm excited for this game, though. I'm, I'm excited for these two teams to play a game that I think is competitive, not in a like farcical 2000. What was that? 2012, I think. Like John Brantley in Tallahassee, or no, 2010. It was like the worst game any of yeah. us had ever seen either of these two teams play. And and you know, I, you know, we've seen this game be competitive here because both of the teams stink. Um, I, I think the, the story is a little bit different um, this go around. So, so we'll see what happens there. Yeah, I definitely don't think this is a, a repeat of Florida State Miami. I think Florida is a much better team than Miami. They, they, they have a much better offense. Uh, and I don't think Florida State's going to run away with it. So I'll be curious. I think it's going to be good. It's one of those games. So I want to watch live or maybe record and, and not have anxiety. You know, so we'll <laughs> see what happens there. Uh, but Richard, I really appreciate you being on with us. Uh, Uh, Before we let you go, though, I like to have a little fun at the end of the podcast. I'd like to do a little choose your own adventure type question. I'll give you three categories. You tell me which question you want a category from. So uh, college football roster building, number one, TV shows, streaming, number two, and Thanksgiving side dishes, number three. Let's go with Thanksgiving side dishes. All right. A couple years ago, uh, we got to talk to Stuart Mandel and got his like top five. So I won't make you go top five Thanksgiving sides. And don't ask me to remember what Stuart said because I have no idea. Um, tell me your top three Thanksgiving side dishes. So I, um, I make a corn casserole, mean corn casserole, mom's recipe. That's number one. But it's number one because of the pairing with the stuffing. If you, you got to put hot Jim, honestly, it's like Jimmy Dean, like two like breakfast sausage, um, hot sausage links with it. Um, you base the stuffing off of that. None of the dressing. Don't put it in the bird. That's weird. Um, but with that combo, undefeated. That is an alley-oop combo of a side dish on the plate. Um, and then I'm a sucker for a good mac and cheese, man. I'm a sucker for a good mac and cheese. 
Now, I, I too am a sucker for a good mac and cheese. Is there a certain style mac and cheese that you like? Uh, I like I it more. Go ahead. Oh, I, I was saying, I, I'm not like a, I don't like the runny mac and cheese, like soupy mac and cheese. That's mm-hmm. not exactly my thing. Um, I'm more of the like, you know, like melted cheese on top, but it's yes. it's got some, you know, you got to cut it with a knife and fork kind of mac and cheese. That's what I'm Yeah, kind of like that double baked on top. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Chick-fil-A gives it a nice run for its money uh, on their mac and cheese. Uh, so uh, great answers. I'm glad you went mac and cheese. It makes me feel better about myself. So Richard, I, I really appreciate you being on. If you would just take a second, tell everybody where they can find you uh, out there and, and see more of your work. Um, I am fortunately, unfortunately, all over the place. Um, I am on the TV SEC Network Monday nights during the season at 7 o'clock, thinking out loud. We've got a couple shows left here, a couple uh, couple games left for the regular season, weeks left for the regular season. I'm also in the pages of uh, Sports Illustrated digitally, uh, si.com, uh, and then podcast Split Zone Duo. Splitzoneduo.com is the place where you can go to find Patreon, all that kind of stuff. Um, but we also record twice a week during the season, once a week during the off season on the free show feed. So yeah, uh, we, I have a lot of fun doing a lot of things. I uh, got a lot of, got a lot of irons in the fire. Yeah. On Twitter, RJ underscore writes uh, one of the best follows on Twitter uh, out of all of that uh, former SB nation, Florida crew that exists out there. Uh, I, please take this as a compliment. One of the least <laughs> obnoxious of them. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, Richard, thanks so much for being on. This is our final regular season line of the scrimmage podcast. Uh, we'll be jumping on hopefully a month or so whenever we see the next, uh, the bowl announcement and we'll, we'll be there. So uh, thanks again to Richard Johnson. This has been the line of scrimmage podcast presented by Tomahawk nation. I'm Tim Allen ball. Uh, and just one last thing. I hope you enjoy your Thanksgiving season, everybody out there. Thanks for being listeners. And remember the holidays are great. They can also be hard. Remember that you are loved by somebody. College football loves you. Tomahawk Nation loves you. God Almighty loves you. Hey, we love you. Let's keep climbing.